I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. Okay, this is pretty awesome. So if you are into science-backed products when it comes to your health, your gut health, but also woman-owned products, I must introduce you to Equilibria. I'm so thankful I discovered them this year. I mean, Equilibria, they help you take on your wellness journey knowing that you have a dedicated one-on-one -on -one support to help you achieve your goals. So it's not like you're just taking a pill mindlessly. You actually get one-on-one -on -one support. That's awesome. And their signature product, which is EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense, it comes in a convenient three-in-one capsule form. And so this is specifically formulated to bolster digestive health and fortify gut barrier protection, among other benefits. And we know that a balanced gut not only enhances our immunity, but also contributes to our overall mental well-being and our quality of sleep, of course, having efficient digestion and even radiant skin. But what distinguishes Equilibria's probiotic supplement is its meticulous selection, which is tailored to women's health needs. And of course, like I said, science-backed, and they're also ensuring affordability without compromising potency. And as someone who once struggled pretty severely with gut health issues for years, I intensified my focus on gut health in, I'd say around 2020, and I'm thrilled to have recently discovered these products this year as, of course, they're backed by research for women's well-being, they're women-owned, and they support overall microbiome health, warding off harmful bacteria and enhancing our nutrient absorption. So head to myeq.com and use code MAGIC for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq com and use code magic at checkout for 15% off site-wide today.
the number one thing I'm always asked in my DMs is like, I'm a one and my partner's a three and like, how do I connect? Do we have a good relationship? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Obviously, like you can be involved with any Enneagram type and there will be like some really high highs and some really low lows. And so I to ask like, how do we get along with them? Because there are specific needs of each type and, and it's important to understand them. Yeah. Now let the magic begin. Hello and Jaima. Jaima Yomis. It's Raquel and I am waking up to a cold, crisp autumn morning in Park City, Utah. My heater, of course, is blasting, and I have the fireplace on in my cozy townhome since it's 30 dang degrees outside, though I know this is so wild and weird because I feel like most people love hot climates, and I don't mean to talk about weather and climates right now, but you'll see. You'll see where I'm going with this, so a lot of people, of course, love to flock to warmer weather, right? You know, they usually want to visit the tropics. I mean, obviously, I do as well. However, even though I go to Bali a lot, the one thing that I did not mm, really love there is how hot it was because I'm somebody who loves the cold. I just went to Bali because of their spiritual vortex that's there, and it is so beautiful and nice to be around, and I love the Indonesian culture and the people. So, you know, I flock to certain tropic lands, not because of how hot it is, but seriously because I just love the culture, the beauty, the nature, and basically the mystique of the area, usually. <laughs> and of the food, and the food, especially as somebody is plant-based and they have a lot of plant-based options, it's like heaven. Anyway, but here I am with my favorite weather, by the way. Oh, man, I've been here for a while in Park City, Utah. I've been in the States for so long. I've never settled for this long before. And I have exactly one more month with this lease in this townhome, which ends on November 11th. And I'm, you know, just I'm feeling into this decision. Do I stay here in Park City or do I go? You know, this is one of my favorite cities on Mama Earth. However, regardless, I have the bug. Many of you also may know that I have a chronic case of the travel bug, which I'm sure many of you do too. And I can just feel myself itching to fly somewhere else and stay there a while and explore. <sighs> Honestly, sometimes, as our human mind likes to point out flaws that honestly aren't even flaws, but one of mine that my mind will go to and I have to shift is my mind gives me a hard time sometimes that I struggle to settle and stay put. Now, before anyone lectures me on saying certain words, of course, I am sharing my truth and the human experience as well so other people may relate and they can consciously shift their perspective as well. So my mind does like to tend to, I wouldn't say like to, but tend to point out flaws that aren't even flaws, such as me not staying put and always wanting to travel. And how in the world is that a flaw? I don't know. But the mind will create it to be, right? So, of course, I 
consciously shift it to honor that aspect of myself because what's wrong with being someone who has a chronic travel bug? I don't know. But even when I'm not solo traveling, I do often feel pulled to explore out in nature or go on long drives and procrastinate what I really need to do for making a living or for the podcast or for whatever else. And that's something that I recognize. And I definitely, when I do recognize that I'm procrastinating because I don't want to face something or whatever, it's not easy, but I do pull myself together to sit and settle and focus. I do feel better, especially when I know something's just gotta be done, you know? (laughs) Anyway, there's a little insight to my mind as well as most every human's mind who points out flaws that aren't even flaws. In fact, we're really not that flawed of beings, or maybe we are, but why not honor these quote-unquote supposed flaws? Anyway, around this time of year, last year, I took the Enneagram test for the very first time. In fact, I just found out what it was, which apparently a lot of people were aware of this like they are with Myers-Briggs which my Myers-Briggs is an INFP. And the Enneagram test was new to me, and it seemed like everybody but myself knew what it was. I remember when I talked about it on the podcast, I got so many messages of people telling me what their Enneagram is and also sharing with me what they thought I was, which, by the way, when I took a test online and it was free, I got a 7 and many things did stand out and a few things didn't resonate kind of like when i read about the leo so this is before i knew about the whole full comprehensive birth chart in astrology well then the same thing happened when i looked at my enneagram which was a seven on this free test and i was like ooh, a lot of this deeply resonates but something do not especially since they're supposedly most likely an extrovert and I am 100% an introvert 100% so you know I read it and I kind of dismissed it for a bit but for whatever reason it kept popping up one of the former guests Dana Max she recommended that I have Enneagram Ashton on which is today's guest by the way before I chatted with her Seriously, like two hours before I chatted with her, I figured, hey, I might as well take an actual test and see. So I paid 60 bucks for the integrative test, and again, I landed a seven. So then a few hours go by, and it is time to chat with Ashton Whitmoyer Ober, aka Enneagram Ashton on the Instagram and on the webs and learn more not only about sevens but all the other types to see which one resonates honestly because of the types and their connection with their wing type and their main challenges and motivations their strength lines and gross gross lines (laughs) growth lines which ashton talks about in this episode seven does make a lot of sense and also a little bit of four as well And so I told Ashton that I took a test, yet she recommended, yeah, sure, take a test. But as you delve deeper into the Enneagram, you may notice that you actually are another type than what the test suggests. So 
it's a great guiding point, but of course, all you have to do is read about the nine types and you'll just, you'll just know. However, she did recommend if you do take the test, take the Riso Hudson Enneagram test, which I will link in the show notes. But again, you know, take the test, especially maybe not pay $60, but the free test or something, and just delve deeper and you really will just know. So, though, during this chat, I declare I'm a seven and I also still feel like a seven and perhaps with a six wing, I still intend to actually dive a little deeper before I'm like, I am 1000% a seven, even as a pretty extreme introvert. Anyway, I'm really excited for you to hear from the brilliant mind of Ashton, who is a writer, a public speaker, community psychologist, and a certified Enneagram coach. And she's a type two Enneagram, which is the helper. And she'll talk a lot about that in this episode as well, along with all the others, of course. And she shares all things of the Enneagram on her site, EnneagramAshton.com, and also her Instagram at EnneagramAshton, which of course is linked in the show notes. I know you will receive some gold and hear a little whisper of which one you potentially are. Feel free to take the free test that she recommends by pausing this and looking in the show notes. It's again the... Riso Hudson test, Enneagram type indicator test. So the R-H-E-T-I, which is the world's most popular Enneagram based test. So with all of that being said, ooh, one more thing. You guys, this is the week that Euromagic is celebrating her third anniversary, (laughs) which is on the 16th. So I will be releasing an episode this Friday the 16th to celebrate the third anniversary and also on the episode I will share who last week's giveaway winner was which I'm sure you're very curious and simply celebrate three years I mean three years four million downloads and we're approaching 200 episodes. I believe this one is 193 or 194 or something. So what? I'm so excited and just beyond beyond grateful for our strong and deeply soul-connected community, our tribe, our siblinghood. I cannot emphasize how grateful I am for all of you. And also if you're new, feel free to connect with other like-minded beings in the Your Own Magic Facebook group. If you have Facebook, it is a very engaging and loving atmosphere. <laughs> anyway, ooh, this has been a long introduction, so I'll read some of the reviews for Friday's episode, along with talk about a surprise with exclusive podcast content that is coming soon. So, <laughs> without further ado, because that was a lot of ado, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Enneagram Ashton. What's your type? What's your Enneagram? I'm two, so I'm the helper. Ah, I love that. Then you're definitely in an amazing position or career for you, right? Yeah, Well, what lights you up most in this season of your life? I guess just like being able to be supportive to people because Mm -hmm. it is a weird season for everybody. Um, And so being able to like 
you know, assist them in, in what they need and helping them like get through such a, such a weird, unprecedented, I know that's like a, um, buzzword these days, but <laughs> it's so <laughs> true though. <laughs> yeah. Like how else are you going to describe it except for chaotic? Yeah, for sure. Your specialty is the Enneagram. Now, how in the world did you get into this and why? Yeah, so I have my bachelor's degree in psychology as well as my master's degree in psych. So um, personality typing systems have always been like a part of my life. I even remember being 11, 12 years old, having my mom taking me to a bookstore and like hightailing it to the psychology section because I was always just interested in learning more and about, well, how to like, you know, know myself and helping people and things like that that kind of fit into my wheelhouse. But what was always missing was, okay, I have this knowledge and this information, but what do I do with it now? And so I, when I discovered the Enneagram and I saw that it was, you know, kind of that next step of it's not about behavior traits. It's about the motivations um, behind why you're doing the things that you're doing. Mm. And so it no longer was like, this is who you are. It's this is why you do those things. And so that really intrigued me. And then also that you can use the Enneagram as a tool to not just understand yourself better, but to understand other people yeah. and why do things the way that they do and so if something's like annoying you or you're trying to figure out like why that person is so vastly different from you then even just having the simple knowledge of the Enneagram can be super beneficial and you have more compassion for just understanding that people are so different and they have their different like you said motivation behind all things and so you understand why they do what they do I am so new to understanding the Enneagram first how can people find their type if they want to pause this and figure out which type they are and then continue on yeah tests are like a great place to start but it's really hard for a test to get at your true motivation motivations Mm. sometimes they only really cover like those behaviors so for example like you being a seven like your biggest motivation is to experience freedom and (laughs) you know like be satisfied and content in everything that you're doing and you fear like missing out and being trapped in emotional pain and things like that yeah whereas like the behaviors of that could look like you wanting to travel all the time, wanting to experience new things, you know? So I, as a two, could also want to experience new things and also have an inability sitting still, but my motivations for that are going to be different than yours. Ah, okay. So with that being said, the best way to like take a test, sure, by all means, take a test, but don't end there. Like the Enneagram Mm -hmm. is complex, a tool and a t- complex system. And so it is really on you to do the research, do the work. You know, we're humans and we want quick fixes and we want to take a test and have them tell us our type and then that's it, right? And mm-hmm. through life knowing that that's our type, but most of the time it requires a little bit of extra knowledge, information, learning to really see um, if those motivations and fears and desires sit with us yeah. well. So um, I always say like, look at, you know, 
what those things are and see if it resonates with you and then go from there. Okay. So it's also possible that that could change in time. So your Enneagram type is your type from a very young age. Uh. And so like what can cause you to mistype then is like life experiences or if you've gone through trauma and... Um, you know, like have developed coping mechanisms or things like that. And it can blur, you know, why you're doing the things that you're doing. Are you doing that because your main motivation or because you were taught to respond that way? Mm -hmm. Sometimes like those different things can come in and make it confusing. And that's why it takes a little bit more research than just taking a test. Makes so much sense. And that's why it's nice to work with someone like you who probably psychoanalyzes them. I don't know, but then you really figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Let's go through one through nine and talk about each type and their motivation behind all things and maybe their challenges and strengths. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm going to use the um, names of the types from the Enneagram Institute. A lot of different um, people and experts have like used their own t- own names or titles. And so um, if you hear them called other things, it's not wrong. It's just that I'm going to use the ones from the Enneagram Institute. Cool. So the one is the reformer. And so what did you say for me to describe? About oh, that? yeah. Their motivation behind all things or their challenges and strengths. But if you have a normal spiel where you just go through them, feel free to just share that as well. Okay. So, yeah, the one is the reformer. And so they are um, afraid of being seen as bad, evil, or wrong and, like, irresponsible and condemned, like, things like that. And their biggest desire is to have integrity, to be right, to be good. And a lot of people struggle with like, what does that mean to like, want to be seen as good? And it's really like they want to be considered that like, good person, right? Like, people Mm -hmm. look at them and they know that they're a good person. That Okay, I wonder if I because I have an idea of, are you familiar with human design at all? Yes. Okay, yeah. So I wonder if some people that are maybe manifesting generators or reflectors could even be ones. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Oh, and that also brings up another quick question. So even though you're a two, does the one kind of bleed in as well? Yeah. So your wings are on either side of your main type. A lot of people get confused because they feel like their wing is just their second highest score if they've taken a test. And that can be true if like your second highest score was a number right next to you. But um, your your wing does have to be on either side, just like wings are, you know? Yeah. So, for example, like nines could have an eight wing or a one wing. Uh-huh. Ones would have a nine or a two. Twos would have one or three and so on and so forth. The point of the wings is you can take on some of those behavior traits or those characteristics of your wings while your motivation will continue to lie in the Enneagram type that you identify with the most. And so it's more about like outward characteristics, behaviors versus, you know, like that need for me, like that need to be seen as good Mm -hmm. because I'm a two, but like I do find myself exhibiting some of those qualities of like, um, wanting what's fair and what's right to happen and people to follow rules, things like that. Right, right. People to follow rules. That's kind of like the opposite of me. <laughs> but so. yeah, the fair and the, yeah, that's so interesting. Okay. And then, well, also when I was reading other 
Enneagram types, it's like, oh, I can relate to that. So, of course, there's pieces you can relate to with probably each of them. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's just where do your main motivations come in and lie. For sure. For sure. So then let's talk about you then, too. Yeah. So the twos are the helper. Mm -hmm. They um, fear being unloved, worthless, being seen as needy or unwanted, And their biggest desire is to be loved, wanted, but mostly appreciated. So they do the things that they're doing. They, um, you know, do all those good deeds and are really helpful, but they want that appreciation and to be wanted because of those things. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the helper, and that's why you probably at a young age were so interested in psychology. Like how many kids that are potentially twos are interested in psychology? Like, let me just understand everybody. You know, we can help everybody in the world. Oh my gosh. That's so adorable. Wait. So then when you were young, you wanted to be a psychologist so you can help people out. When I was young, I originally thought I wanted to be a teacher. But when I took a psychology class in high school, I was like, oh, no, this is more my speed because I really like like that seeking to understand people, which is really what the Enneagram is all about, is like if we are seeking to understand these qualities, these the Enneagram types of like our friends, our family members, our partners, then we are seeking to understand what motivates them and to better our relationships. That makes sense. So then also is one a perfectionist? Yeah. So they can also be called the perfectionist. Uh And that's because of their need for things to be like right. Right. And that's your wing as a two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And then so how about three? Yeah. So I actually have a way stronger three wing. Ah. Is the achiever. And their biggest desire is to be seen as successful, efficient, valuable. They want to be admired, but they mostly want to be respected. Mm. Whereas their biggest fears are typically being a failure, being seen as incompetent, worthless, inefficient, all of those things, and then not being respected. And so the different, the main difference between twos and threes is that twos really just want to be loved mm-hmm. and three really just want to be respected okay I wonder if well I feel as though if the U.S. were a type it potentially could be a three (laughs) 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 well congrats because you also are perceived as very successful and also very admired so your wing is probably very happy in that sense you know it's it's a battle though like threes really struggle with who they are and because of like who they perceive others want them to be. Right. So they're often known as like the chameleon. So they can shift who they need to be when they're around certain people. Oh, that's interesting. Oh my gosh. I wonder if threes are the type that could easily be blurry. You know what I mean? When they take the test. Mm-hmm. Because- oh yeah, for sure. Because they can like see themselves in all of them because they've taken on different roles. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So threes are really like role driven. So they like, well, this is how I am when I'm at work. This is how I am when I'm with family. You know, this is how I am when I'm with my friends, things like that. Ah, so then what do you think one and two, their greatest, greatest challenges, if that's threes? Yeah, for twos, they definitely um, can be a little overbearing at times or like overly accommodating. Mm. So they can, you know, insert themselves where they're not needed 
or you know just that type of person who like continues to ask are you mad at me are you mad at me and then the person ends up being mad at them because they keep asking mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then ones you know they can sometimes get in trouble with their judgment and criticism most of the time um their inner critic like is about them where they're like judging themselves they have this desire to like improve and to be better but when they turn that criticism and judgment outward and think that other people need to be doing things the way that they're doing them oh interesting okay yeah, that I can see some people as that for sure. That's so, this is all so interesting. And also I want to honor you as a two for knowing your own self boundaries when it comes to like honoring your energy, you know, for example, as with the email thing, I genuinely was like, she probably is, you know, overwhelmed or something, but doesn't really answer emails unless she has to. Cause I know a lot of people like that. And I think that's great that people honor those boundaries instead of having to feel like they have to people please. Like I'll even sometimes not answer emails. So yeah, I, want to honor you as a two for doing that for yourself so honestly like there are a lot of things that don't fit with me as a two because I've done the work uh-huh. right so, like I as a big stereotype for twos is that they don't know how to recognize their own needs because they're only recognizing the needs of others and I've done a lot of work around that where like that's a that's a non uh, issue for me because I'm able to say like no, I need to do this for myself. I need to like go get a massage. I need to take a day off, like things like that um, without feeling guilty. Now, does the guilt like creep in sometimes? Absolutely. But, um, you know, like it's part, it is part of setting boundaries and I definitely struggle with boundaries and saying no. And like, I want to help everybody. And so I try to arrange my schedule and like, you know, do things like that. Um, But it's definitely you know, it's part of that self-growth. That is amazing. And doing the work, I think that's probably going to be key for everybody when they learn their type and they know their challenges or what they need to work on. And then you can really honor yourself more when you do the work. And when you say do the work, do you mean like just do the inner work and, you know, finding out what your challenges are and what you can do to best honor yourself type thing? And that's definitely a part of it. I think, you know, it's great. People love to hear the great things that they are, like the great things about their type. Yeah. And then when they get to the unhealthy qualities, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, like that, that isn't me. Right. We're human, right? And we're like, that's not, you know, I don't see myself. <laughs> and so if we're able to like really sit with some of those unhealthy qualities and understand why, so like understand those motivations, like I talked about, like, why am I doing this? Um, I can, I can like give you a real life example for me where I have just constantly been that person in my family who is always helping. Like I'm, I'm pregnant right now, but I'm the only one that doesn't have kids at the moment. And so I'm always like the one that watches all the kids, helps everybody move, sees what everybody needs, you know, like (laughs) recognizes all of those things. And it comes to like, who's doing this for me that like over the years has built resentment, right? Where I'm like, I'm doing all of these amazing things for people. Like, why aren't they reciprocating that? And that is really like a point of contention for twos when they need to have like that heart check of, well, why am I doing these things? Like, am I doing these things to just have that be reciprocated? Or am I doing these things because I genuinely want to help out the people that I care about most? And so for me, like that was a light bulb moment of that self-growth of, 
okay, I'm doing this out of like me loving these kids, loving my family, and I just want to help out. And understanding that not everybody is like me and going to want to do that and everyone's busy and that's okay. I'm sure so many people can relate to that as well, whether they're a two or not, but especially two. That's, yeah, that's beautiful (laughs) that you're able to see that and also have compassion for the others. That is hard when someone doesn't reciprocate what you're giving or what you're gifting. Do you ever feel taken advantage of constantly as somebody who does love to help? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's part of like, you know, building those boundaries and why to struggle with that because like for me, I like recognize when I feel that way and then I set firm boundaries. Yeah. So I don't have to feel that way, you know. So powerful and beautiful. And I'm sure you know a lot of the boundaries that each type does often have to set. Basically, your challenges or each type challenges is kind of often their shadow or their like predominant shadows to really face. Yeah. Ooh, this one's interesting to me. Four. Yeah. So the four is called the individualist. Sometimes it's called the romantic. And their biggest um, desire is to really just be seen as unique, special, significant. They really value authenticity and transparency and things like that, where their biggest fear is being seen as inadequate (laughs) or like just like everybody else Mm -hmm. or or even like the black sheep them and that they're emotionally cut off okay so then what is their biggest challenge so sometimes they can they're the most emotional type on the enneagram and so sometimes they can really be um weighed down by those emotions now fours typically do like to sit with their emotions and that's not really what i'm talking about but when they're not able to like recover from sitting with their emotions where they're just internalizing everything, over-processing, becoming withdrawn, depressed, self-absorbed, things like that. Right. I wonder if some of the greatest artists in the world were fours. Oh, I'm sure. For sure. (laughs) For sure, probably. (laughs) Like, fours are known to be creative, too. And so that's – sometimes people get caught up with that if they don't feel like they're creative. But um, that piece is definitely there where they can be a little eccentric and, you know, different and creative and really just have that kind of style. I wonder what happens when a parent is like a one and then their child is a four. Yeah. Or maybe an eight even. interesting. I mean, we didn't talk about the stress or the growth lines Ah. either. But, you know, every type has a number that they go to when they're stressed type has a number that they go to when they're in growth so ones when they're stressed take on some of those unhealthy qualities of a four and so they'd be able to relate to those qualities for sure oh interesting yeah okay Ooh. okay so we'll we'll go through all the types then we'll talk about the stress and growth I like that that's interesting so then a five so the five is the investigator and so I always call them like the walking Google search engine because they just love to gain knowledge. (laughs) So their biggest um, desire is to be competent, capable, knowledgeable, all of those things. And then their biggest fear is to be seen as like ignorant or incapable or even having like their space invaded on. They're really strict with their boundaries, whereas like other types aren't. (laughs) They're really strict with their boundaries and um, are afraid of having people like invade their personal space. 
Okay. okay. So what is their greatest, greatest challenge? Their greatest challenge is sometimes they can be perceived as know-it-all, right? Like I'm the only one that knows (laughs) before. I'm the only one that knows how to do this, things like that. Um, But they also really, you know, internalize everything and can put up such strong walls that they keep people out. And so a lot of times when people are talking about fives or their, their relationships with fives, they say that they have a difficult time communicating. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they just don't know the words to say or don't know how to effectively express what they're trying to get across. Mm, it's so interesting when you're talking about these types. I've always have somebody in mind, like who this could potentially be. And I'm sure that as you meet people, you're probably like, do you, do you get a vibe from people right away? What type they are now that you just know this so indefinitely? Sometimes I do, you know, it's difficult because at the end of the day, I don't know people's like main motivations for doing things. For sure. But like when I'm talking to people, it's, it's typically, it doesn't, you know, it's, yeah. it's not difficult. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. How about six? So six's biggest desire, oh, sixes is the loyalist, sorry. And they're often known on the Enneagram as the one that like deals with the most anxiety. And I like hate that people have associated that word anxiety with the sixes because it really looks like self-doubt, worry, worst case scenario thinking, things like that. And then it makes it confusing for people who do struggle with generalized anxiety disorder because they feel like, well, if I have anxiety, then I must be a type six. Or, you know, it makes it so that that's the biggest stereotype for sixes and then other things about them aren't celebrated. So just a little tidbit, if you do have anxiety and you feel like you don't connect to the six, then that's totally fine as well. But the biggest desire for a six is to have support, guidance, and security, and and honestly, just to feel safe. Mm. And so they typically fear, like fear itself. They have that connection where they just are afraid and they fear fear, but they also fear being without that support, guidance, or security. So they really value relationships, it sounds like, too, to yeah. feel more grounded, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, because, of course, every single type deals with anxiety. I mean, that's part of being human, right? But I'm sure that they have, like you, when it comes to honoring your boundaries in your ways, I wonder how they can honor themselves and their boundaries and also alleviate a lot of that extreme anxiety. Right. Yeah. Are there practical ways for them to alleviate their anxiety? Yeah. They need to they need to really practice focusing on the here and now mm. instead of the past, instead of the future. Focus on what they can control in this moment instead of thinking about all of the things that could happen. Okay. So and not be like a futurist cuz I like to think about the future a lot, but that mm-hmm. probably gives them more anxiety. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And that's one of my wings, I guess, too. The whole fear thing. And I do have experience anxiety for sure from time to time. So, yeah, that's interesting. And then seven. Seven is, of course, the enthusiast. (laughs) They're also called like the optimist, things like that. Their biggest desire is, like I said, to have fun, to be content, to be satisfied. And so that's why they're constantly you know, doing the things that they're doing or experiencing new things because they're looking for that contentment. Uh-huh. Whereas their biggest fear is, of course, FOMO, missing out on things, being bored. 
but also being trapped in emotional pain. And so they bury the pain, they bury the anxiety and go do the things that they want to do so that they don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but I do, I've gotten to a place where I know that when I notice when I am indeed procrastinating my emotions and not allowing myself to feel. But I mean, this has been for the past few years, I just, I'm like, okay, now I've just, I've got to experience how I'm feeling and be completely on honest with myself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but what are the greatest challenges and I guess in a sense weaknesses of the seven? Yeah. So sevens often, because they're always on the go, they don't know how to slow down. Mm-hmm. They can become restless or self-focused or even like impulsive. Mm-hmm. And also scattered. And so really it has to do with like, again, being in the present, being able to slow down, recognizing what you actually need or what you actually want to do instead of just trying to do it all. For sure. I'm definitely a very scattered person, but I definitely, (laughs) especially during this, this year, especially I've really slowed down, but it's also probably because of the energies of this year. Mm-hmm. They're kind of asking everybody to slow down, yep. which is interesting. But yeah, this is this is good. I love it. Okay. So eight, eight. So eights are the challenger. Their biggest desire is to protect themselves and others. So they're really protective of um, themselves and then protective of like the underdog and things like that. Their biggest fear is that they're going to be seen as weak or powerless and control is huge for them. So they don't like to be controlled. They prefer to be in control. I can see how this is a wing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what is their greatest challenge? So their greatest challenge is when they turn that assertiveness into aggressiveness right and so um like being assertive is great being aggressive and a bully not so much and so sometimes because if they feel like they're losing control then they can become insensitive and domineering and aggressive towards other people Ooh, how do they recognize because it sounds like they might have do they have a hard time seeing this their flaw yeah I would say you know the eights that are able to recognize this have definitely done the work okay okay so then how can they when they do the work or as they're doing the work how do they prevent themselves or just bring awareness to when they're feeling more aggressive I guess yeah I mean it's it's difficult but what I always say, people always think the eights are yelling, right? And they're they're like, you know, they raise their voice sometimes because of that passion. Mm-hmm. And so part of like recognizing when you go to your, for all of, all of the types, when you go to that unhealthy side of your type is what, what got you there? Like, how did you get there? Why are you there? Are you feeling like you're out of control? And then almost like working backwards to deconstruct that. This is so interesting. I feel like my dad is for sure an eight. (laughs) So fiery, passionate about whatever he believes in, but he can't help. And I'll I'll tell him to calm down. He's like, I can't help it. But it's like in the most passionate way. But at the same time, yeah, he's just so, he's a lot. He's a very passionate, fiery person. And so this is very interesting. How about the nine? And then the nine is the peacemaker. And so their biggest desire is to have internal stability and peace of mind. And that's because their biggest fear is conflict. Mm -hmm. So again, not like other types don't fear conflict. 
It's just that it makes up the nine's like core way of being and what motivates them for all of those behaviors. Mm, and so I can see how a wing for theirs would be one because it sounds somewhat similar in a sense, but very different at the same time because I don't know how much one fears conflict. What is their greatest challenge then? So then their greatest challenge is because they fear conflict so much they have a difficult time like making decisions because of the potential conflict or you know stating their own opinions because mm-hmm. afraid of conflict you know like all of those different things and so then they can just become like passive aggressive they bury things and don't want to address them and kind of keep them to, to themselves because they're so afraid of what will happen if they share it so how can they honor themselves then when they feel this I guess, trigger of a conflict is about to arise, yet they also need to learn to not be afraid to stand up or be themselves. It's really difficult. Like, like it really is a struggle for nines. Um, And what they really need is other people to encourage them to voice their opinion, to stand up for themselves, to, you know, like make decisions and that it's okay to do so, like almost giving them permission to be who they want to be dude I feel like my mom is a nine. Oh my god <laughs> it's so interesting too because my dad is a total eight he's just super passionately fiery then my mom's a nine and she like does not want to deal with that conflict where she just you know when he gets that way she likes to just walk away and not deal with whatever he's getting crazy about <laughs> it's so yeah. interesting well and the thing is I don't fully know you know obviously but you say these things and I'm sure that there's so much more depth to each type where I might initially think that someone I know is a certain way yet of course as we dive deeper it could be completely different right our interruption just a very brief interruption to talk about and thank our sponsor of this episode who you've heard me talk about probably 444 times by now but hum hum nutrition has been a loyal sponsor since pretty much day uno and they are helping millions with one of our greatest assets our physical vessel if you didn't know Hum was actually birthed from founders that were struggling with skin and other breakouts after doing everything that the doctor prescribed and trying out all the different lotions and yada yada they just really wanted to find something that was a bit more natural more pure but also very high quality and that is where hum was born initially for the skin but they have branched out to help a variety of other problems or conditions such as gut issues like their gut instinct supplement which i have definitely used many times as it contains 10 strain probiotics 25 billion organisms and provides 30 vegan capsules for a 30 day supply but there are a variety of other supplements as well that people love to go to and of course many of them are vegan one of their more popular ones which i also enjoy is their flatter me pill which helps decrease the bloating and break down the proteins and carbs and fiber and fats and lactose i guess is if you eat that to help you digest because it's a blend of digestive enzymes including ginger and fennel and peppermint and i talk about these because for me my gut had always been my greatest issue but again there are a variety of other ones such as hair skin nails metabolism sleep and aging but one thing that i really appreciate is that they connect you with a free personal nutritionist before you even choose 
one so that way you can choose the right micronutrient to support whatever your beautiful vessel needs and i know there are people from all over the world that listen to this podcast so they don't only deliver to america wherever you're at they likely serve so go to humnutrition.com and enter the promo code magic m-a-g-i-c for 20 percent off that's humnutrition.com promo code magic and now enjoy the rest of this episode I'm curious about a few things obviously the stress and growth lines but also what each can do to thrive thrive in life yeah so in stress every well each type goes to the unhealthy qualities of their stress line so for nines they take on the unhealthy qualities of a six for ones they go to four twos they go to eight threes they go to nine fours they go to two fives go to seven sixes go to three sevens go to one and then eights go to five aha uh-huh, that makes sense wait what does nine go to again nine goes to six when six. they're stressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. When we're stressed. Yes. When I'm stressed, the one. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then how about the growth? So then when they're like really, really healthy or growing or like moving to a good place, the nine is going to go to the three. The one is going to go to the seven. Twos go to four. Threes go to six. Fours go to one. Fives go to eight. Six goes to nine. Seven goes to five, mm-hmm. and then eight goes to two. I wonder if – do you know when it comes to astrology, south and north nodes? I don't. I unfortunately, like, know the bare minimum. <laughs> That's fine. But the south and north nodes – well, then we don't have to get into it too much, but it sounds – I wonder if it's somewhat similar. Like, the north is kind of like what you're striving for in this life, I guess, your soul or just yourself, your self-expression, like what you're really striving to be – and what to accomplish. And then the South is what you already are innately, but also some people interpret it as what might hold you back in some way. So kind of like a stress line or what you revert to when you are not in your authentic self. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so how about what can each do to thrive? Are there certain careers? You know, I'm just curious so we can really embrace and give the best advice for each type. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it's different for each type. The ones, like they really just need to take the time to slow down. They always feel like there are things that they should be doing. A lot of times ones feel like they aren't able to do fun things or like aren't able to relax because they need to constantly be improving themselves. And so they are really good at being teachers because they're great at like teaching these things um, and they're self-disciplined, but they need to remember how to slow down as well okay that's in- okay cool how about two how about you <laughs> i know it's always awkward when i talk about <laughs> my- um so for twos who have a hard time expressing their own needs need to be really aware of what they need in life because they will experience severe burnout right if they just are continuing to give 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 and not taking care of themselves Also, like I said before, like they need to recognize their own motives for why they're doing all of those good deeds. Okay. Okay. How do they do that? How can they recognize their own motives? 
just really having like that heart check and say like, why am I doing this? You know, like, am I, is this something that I really want to do? Do I feel obligated to do this? Do I, am I doing this because I want something reciprocated? Like really just questioning those things. Oh, I love, I feel like every type would benefit from the heart check. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Is there a type that has a harder time tuning into the heart and soul? Eights and fives. Interesting. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. How about three? So threes really need to take the time to explore who they are when they're not doing. Mm -hmm. So like, who are they when they're not a mom? Who are they when they're not a CEO of a company? Who are they when they're not you know, this friend to this person and to like kind of eliminate those roles and be able to stand on their own and say, this is me. This is who I am. Awesome. How about four? For fours, they need to, you know, like obviously they do a really good job of recognizing their emotions and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But they need to recognize, learn how to recognize other people's emotions as well. So, you know, they're good at like paying attention to their own feelings, but pay attention to, trying to understand others' feelings as well and like really work on developing their self-esteem and their self-confidence and and being tr- – they value all this authenticity but being true to who they are mm. as well. Okay. So when they are feeling a lack of self-confidence in some way, what are ways, what are tools they can start to implement in order to – appreciate themselves. Yeah. So I always, you know, like look at the characteristics that other people enjoy about you, right? Like that's important to fours. It's important to a lot of the types, but other people's opinions are important to fours. And so look at those things and, you know, obviously they said them for a reason. Obviously they feel them for a reason and learn that, you know, just how valuable you are. And because, you know, fours really um, struggle with feeling like they aren't significant. And so, again, sometimes it takes relying on other people to find your significance. Ah, yeah. And they're basically your other people are your messengers to show you where you are and also can help you see how amazing you are. So I love that. Yeah. Number five. Yeah. So for fives, um, they need to recognize how much time they're actually spending in their head. And so, which is fine, right? That they spend so much time in their head, but then that can also disconnect them from others. And so, like I said, they do withdraw, they do retreat and things like that. But oftentimes um, because they're not explaining it to other people, people don't understand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being open to learning about how other people are feeling can even, you know, just be super impactful for developing communication. For sure. How about sixes? Yeah. So I talked about this a little bit, but like focusing on what you can control because they do tend to, you know, spiral into that worst case scenario thinking um, or, you know, the worry, the self-doubt. And so just remembering that, like, it's normal to feel anxious and, you know, there's not something wrong with you because you're feeling that way. Um, But, you know, be truly present and focus on what you can control in that moment and what you can do about it to prevent it from happening in the future. Mm. Do sixes experience a lot of paralysis in life when it comes to moving forward and taking on what they really want to do? Yeah, for sure. Um, they, because they like to stick with the comfy cozy. 
So they have a hard time like getting out of their comfort box. Do they dream though of what they really want? Um, that's a really good question. I'm sure some do. But I'm sure that others don't because they're they can be debilitated by their fear. Right. Uh, well, the thing that makes me sad is to think if one has this wild, beautiful dream, yet they might be a six and they are just paralyzed by moving forward because they don't really believe in themselves. So is there like another tool or something they can do to really see how worthy they are of whatever they want to pursue? You know, it's it's part of that like self-development growth and really, rec- again, recognizing who you are and all of those like really great qualities that you do have inside of you that have nothing to do with feeling anxious. Mm, yeah. How about seven? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can take it. I can take it. Let me get a sip of water. I can take it. So it's really important for seven to, again, I talked about this a little bit, but to slow down, to recognize what they're trying to run away from. So because they're constantly, you know, on the go or trying to experience new things, go on new adventures, most of the time they're running away. And so it's important for sevens to recognize that impulsiveness, to observe why you might be acting that way and focus on uh, what's at the root of that. Yeah. When I find myself procrastinating or distracting from things that I really, I dream a lot about amazing things that I want to do. And when I see myself distracting myself from doing all of that, even this year, as I'm mostly staying grounded in this one city, (laughs) which is so weird for me, I do also find myself, I'll go outside for a long time on nature trail because I want to stay away from my computer and away from work. And I'm like, what am I really running from? So I think that's key because I do, I'll tend to tell myself, you know what? It's just so beautiful outside. I'm going to go on a long hike or a long walk, or I'm going to go on a long drive and not do what I'm supposed to do. That's totally. (laughs) Oh man. Um, But I've gone to a place obviously where I like recognize it, but sometimes it's still hard for me to make myself do it. Even if I recognize it. Um, (laughs) Ladies, we all have different symptoms that time of the month. For me, my energy level happens to just dip insanely and I just feel a little down, you know, a little sluggish. And so I'm happy to share Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, and they are dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And so here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So, Hormone Harmony is for any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances, and it's perfect for symptoms that put a woman's life on hold like racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas when you have no desire to get in bed next to someone if you know what I mean, and also hot flashes and night sweats if you happen to be going through menopause. It's really great for women with menopause. So yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code MAGIC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code MAGIC for 15% off today. Your hormones will thank you. 
And then eight. So eights, um, they remember I said like they where they can get in trouble is it was with that aggressiveness. And so like definitely recognizing that, but also to remember that like the world isn't against them. And so many people are, you know, wanting to support them. And sometimes they set too strong boundaries and, and, you know, leave people out and alienate them and things like that. And so really just having those realizations of who is with you and who is against you, because I think that they would be surprised that so many people are with them and that it's okay to depend on them at times if you need to, whereas it feel like they can't depend on anybody see as we go deeper I told you I'll probably change their mind because my dad thinks everybody likes him (laughs) (laughs) which might not always be true but he does but that's really tough for someone to think that the world is against them Are, are there certain exercises or something they can do to acknowledge that you know they are a lovable person and worthy of people's love and people do actually appreciate them the biggest exercise I think is just to listen And sometimes eights have a problem with listening in general because they are so loud and passionate, right? So like if they are the loudest voice in the room, they have trouble listening to other people. So I think just the, that act of like seeking to understand and listening can be really helpful. It sounds like listening could be one of their greatest challenges for sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. How about nines? So for nines, you know, they fear conflict. And so they have to really learn how to stand for them, stand on their own and, you know, assert themselves and be independent and voice their own opinions and have those, um, you know, have their desires addressed and things like that. And it's really, really hard, but, you know, it's important to do that work to develop your self-esteem and your confidence in that even if there is that conflict that comes your way because of that, that it'll be okay and you'll get through it. Mm, Yeah. I think that nines are so beautiful to have around, even though what I hope that they do is honor themselves. But I do think they're so beautiful to have around just for that peace. Yeah, for sure. So for each type, I'm debating whether we first talk about, we'll do this. How do we get along or just find compassion for each type? Yeah. So for getting along is, well, the number one thing I'm always asked in my DMs is like, I'm a one and my partner's a three and like, how do I connect or like, how do do we have a good relationship, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. So um, obviously, like you can be involved with any any gram type, and there will be like some really high highs and some really low lows. And so I you ask like, how do we get along with them? Because there are specific needs of each type, and and it's important to understand them. Yeah. For ones, you know, like you have to think about what they really care about. So they care about fairness and rules and being considerate. And so showing that you also care about those things and being honest, keeping your word, reminding them to slow down and have fun and that, you know, the chores will be there when we get back from doing this activity. Mm-hmm. And then two. So for twos, words are really important to them. So, okay, you know, telling them that you appreciate them, tell them what you love about them, being gentle with criticism, like the sandwich method is really important where you, you know, tell them amazing things about them, insert the criticism and then follow up with how they're doing a good job. (laughs) Well, I deeply appreciate you being here, first of all. (laughs) 
Like I said, um, weird talking about my type. <laughs> I can see you like blushing for sure. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about, but yeah, that makes sense. So would two's love language basically be words of affirmation? Like I that? have not met a two that has not enjoyed words of affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that would be an interesting one to go through each potential love types as well, love language. Well, I guess we could integrate that with this question. So what do, what do you think one's first love language is? You know, it's difficult because um, immediately I would say acts of service. Mm. But, um, you know, they can also be very particular with how they like things done. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the offering of the act of service, like they appreciate offer Uh, but then at the end of the day they want to do it themselves because they can can do it the right way yeah they want the bed made a certain way no it's sweet you're doing it honey it's just you know tuck the cover under this way I get it that's funny so then words of well I can see acts of service for two then as well yeah for sure and quality time yeah honestly probably all of them like just love the gifts everything yeah love all of them Number, how about threes then? So for threes, um, how to get along with them, you know, you need to be able to celebrate their successes and their achievements and show them respect. Remember, respect is really important. Giving them honest feedback and just being honest really about, um, you know, everything with them. For threes with the love languages, I would definitely say quality time. Threes tend to be a little bit more social, and so they value the time spent with people. Aw, that's sweet. (laughs) How about uh, four? So for fours, to get along with them, they also value, I would say, words of affirmation. And so, like, compliments are huge to fours, you know, telling them that they're significant or, like, what you love about them. But also make sure that you're giving them time to process their emotions, that you're not rushing them, that you're not telling them to cheer up. Like, just let them be and and process the way that they need to. Okay. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that listen that are fours. They're so unique and, you know, uniquely express themselves. So I'm sure many can relate to this one. How about fives? You need to be really independent to – be with a five so or to like get along with a five because they value that independency remember they value their boundaries and mm-hmm. the alone time and things like that and so you know don't surprise them you need to be straightforward with them <laughs> allow for alone time and just respect their boundaries in general oh my brother is a five <laughs> like the more you talk about this I'm like okay that's my brother for sure but then Maybe, oh man, their love language, that would be hard to... Definitely difficult because um, whereas like twos, you can see them all. Yeah. Fives are like a little bit more removed from their emotions and that kind of thing. Right. So I would say maybe acts of service because it's more like a quiet thing, you know, Mm -hmm. or a physical touch if they're, if it's like a partner or something. Yeah. For sure. For my brother, maybe his wife, for sure, physical touch. But I feel like for me, he probably appreciates acts of service. Yeah. And words. he does like words of affirmation, though, too. Mm-hmm. How about sixes? Yeah. So for sixes, I was just thinking about love languages for them. Um, mm-hmm. It's so hard. I would almost say acts of service for sixes as well. They do value quality time, but not to the same level as like twos and threes, I would say. But to get along with a six, you know, you need to reassure them that everything's going to be okay. 
be able to like calm them down and just like offer that peaceful presence to them, communicate, listen to their worries and things like that. Yeah, they really deeply need people that can listen and that they feel they can trust to listen to them. I'm sure like in order for them to thrive. Yeah, they just I see them having a hard time being fully lonely or not or I mean in solitude. Otherwise, yeah, they'd probably just go stir crazy in their mind. (laughs) For sure. Um, Sevens. I already know my love language. I'm curious what you're going to say. For sevens, you know, to get along with them, you need to have stimulating conversation and stories mm-hmm. and, you know, like listen to their grand ideas, encourage them to <laughs> do all of those things, <laughs> take them somewhere new, you know, like just going on adventures and things like that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Going on an adventure for sure. How about their love language? Yeah. So their love language, I would say quality time. Yeah. That's probably my second. Okay. But, you know, because we're all individual. It's not like every seven is the same, right? But mine is physical touch for when it comes to a partner. Physical touch for sure, because um, <laughs> especially in that partner relationship. But I have so many friends who are sevens and they just love to hug. Yeah. Like the huggers and like COVID has been killing them, right? For sure. Well, I love to hug people that I know, but also I do hug a lot of strangers as well. <laughs> but there are times where I just don't want to shake someone's hand. But yeah, no, I do love to hug. Yeah, yeah, I obviously love to hug, but yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. Physical touch is definitely huge for me. And then eight. Yeah, so eights, you need to be direct with them. Like, don't beat around the bush. Recognize their independence, you know, show them stability and freedom. Just really, you know, like noticing who they are behind that strong exterior. Mm, yeah when they are all riled up and fiery, what are ways that, you know, they might receive, let's say your act of love, though they're crazy going wild in that moment, like what could potentially calm them down or how would they receive whatever you're trying to offer best? Um, it, it, I'll be honest. It doesn't usually go well in the moment. For, yeah, for sure. Trying, you know, get an eight to not be passionate for a minute. (laughs) Um, But I would say, you know, physical touch is probably important to them. Like just reaching out and grabbing their hand or, you know, remembering that they're, or having them remember that you're there, things like that. I would also say that um, gifts are probably important to eights as well Mm -hmm. as acts of service. So I can see all of those three with them. For sure. Makes sense. How about nines? Yeah. And then for nines, you know, like I said earlier, you really need to encourage them to voice their own opinions, to, you know, have their own thoughts and not just go with the flow of everybody around them. Be really patient with them and, you know, take the time to really focus in on who they are. Yep. Yep. Being careful conflict right exactly like try to not you know stir something up with them for sure (laughs) (laughs) um I just realized the time okay so are there oh wait I do have a question is there a rarest type is there does there happen to be a rare one um I don't think so I think a lot of people say like fours just because they are unique Mm -hmm. I've really seen I would say like seeing female fives or female eights 
can be rare at times just because of who society tells us to be, which is like a whole another hour long conversation, right? Oh, yeah. Because one could be a five or eight, but they've, you know, suppressed it. Right. And so sometimes it's hard for people to recognize themselves as those types because we're taught innately not to act that way. Ooh as women. And so um, that's definitely, you know, something to explore too. That's super interesting. Good thing we're in 2020. And so of course the younger generations are becoming more and more authentically themselves. Okay. So I have one last question that I, wait, do you have any final messages? I don't think so. But now that I'm thinking about it, did I do the love language for for nine? (gasps) No, no, we we did it. So for nine, I would say also acts of service and words of affirmation. You know, like hearing that their opinion matters and that their voice matters and that they matter in general is really important. Amazing. Okay. I know some peacemakers because they've also told me they're nine and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Words of affirmation. I don't know. They they, they do like a lot of compliments. I know that. And they do also give a lot of compliments. Yeah. Like they always are saying, I love you or something, you know, or say something that they appreciate about you. So I just, I love nines. I appreciate them so much. They're such nine people. And I even had a nine uh, break up with me once and they had the hardest time doing that. And I thought that was really funny. Oh yeah, I'm sure. They like, they avoided it at all costs and waited till like the worst moment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, okay, so I do have one last question that I ask all the Euro Magic guests. Yeah. How would you advise the Euro and Magic listeners to create their own magic? Oh, man. <laughs> I would advise them to just be true to themselves and who they are and what they want in life. And to match, obviously, like to connect it to the Enneagram, to match those strengths from your Enneagram type with what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And where do you recommend they go? I know that you said in the beginning, like there's a variety of tests and that, you know, you, you got to go beyond the test. But what do you have one test you recommend the most? I really like the Ready, the Riso, Riso Hudson Enneagram Typing Institute, some mouthful, <laughs> R-A-P-T-I, and um, they have a paid version and a free version, and I just typically send people there. Oh, nice. And also, you know, you work with people one-on-one as well. How can everyone connect with you? Yeah, so my website is just enneagramashton.com and on Instagram at enneagramashton. Perfect. I'm glad that Dana Max sent me your way because I've been so curious about exploring more about the Enneagram. And for a long time, I've been wanting to have someone come on who was a master and expert at the Enneagram. So I'm so thankful it finally happened because so many people ask about it. So yeah, yeah this is great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we might have to come on some other time to expand beyond the basics because there's so much to it. Yeah. This hour went by so fast. I was like, wait, are you serious? I still have like so many more things to ask. Yeah, there there's so many things you can talk about with the Enneagram. It's so complex. For sure. Ashton, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with the Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls 
on the Euro Magic Facebook group, especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the Euromagic.life membership site. The Pyrite is monthly and the gold membership is just a one-time payment. But don't forget that experience called home. You can visit that at Euromagic.life forward slash home. And that will be with Brie Melanson and I, my fellow alien channeling Palladian boss babe. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.